welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. And I'm Marcy. And we are joined uh, for the last time this week uh, by our most excellent guest, Jonathan Carlisle from the Princess Bride Minute from UHF 60 Seconds. How are you doing, Jonathan? I am well and okay. waiting for this. Uh, well, to, to me, it's the culmination of this conversation that makes a little bit more sense. I think that's right. So tell you what, just in the in the spirit of dramatic irony, let's let's slow walk up to that point. Because there's a lot of other stuff I think that's worth sure. digging into. Um, this is minute 57 of Roadhouse. Um, this minute starts with Dalton accusing Wesley of profiting at others' expense. Uh, and it ends with Wesley telling Dalton to relax. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to get to the reason why Dalton is not relaxed. Um, and where I, I, So I agree with you, Marcy. I would say by the end of this minute, Dalton has been brought low. Yeah, like both figuratively and in terms of like stage direction, literally. Um, mm-hmm. But before we that, before we get to that, we have to talk about Brad Wesley's worldview because I feel like this is something that I quote at you all the time, just ironically. <laughs> um, and let me see if I can do it. So Brad Wesley essentially says, like, I believe we all have a purpose in life. I believe I have a destiny. My destiny is to gather up to me. That which is mine. I've never heard you say that to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, really. That's, that's funny because 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 you rather inaccurately, I think, accuse me of quoting movie of quoting movie lines at you all the time, which is not true. No, that's a hundred percent true. It's not true. It's um, just this one has never been quoted before. Okay. So, what do we think about this part of this minute from our uh, philosophizer Brad Wesley? It's a it's a strange. I, I guess I don't know if I can argue with it. It just doesn't seem very doesn't seem very clear. I guess in some ways, yes; some ways, no. I mean, I can argue with it. It's incredibly selfish. Like I have written down my notes here. How many times does Brad Wesley have to tell this to himself to believe that he's actually being reasonable? Well, I think the selfish part is assuming what is his. Yes. He assumes that the whole town is his because he made some contributions to his economic health. Which, like, spoiler alert, if he really wants to gather up to gather unto him that which is his, if I did the pronouns right there, like he's going to run out of more stuff to make his pretty soon. Like there's only so much blood he can squeeze out of this stone. Yeah. That is Jasper, Missouri, which is a very small town in Western Missouri. I mean, I guess before, so before this, we get two lines that are even more sort of craven, right? Like Dalton says, you've gotten rich off the people of this town. And Brad Wesley is like Brad Wesley. Some might people take, some people might take that as criticism, not Brad Wesley. He takes that as compliment and he's like you know bet your ass i have and i'm gonna get richer yeah he is not subtle in any way no he also doesn't think there's anything wrong with what he's done no like he has told himself that he has some eminent domain over this town does he ever say where he gets this destiny from no and we've spent some time thinking about brad wesley's backstory like but maybe we should just think on it again just a little bit more like how did he so okay so let's say brad wesley arrives in jasper right after korea at what point does he decide i'm going to become a megalomaniac 
and take over this town. Immediately, after a while, after some cataclysmic event, like where do we imagine that he evolved into this sort of very petty anti-mob boss? I wonder what kind of soldier he was. That's a good question. We've never talked about that. If he was like, you know, the... Oh, always taking advantage of the situation or or if he was like you know just just doing the thing but then got super jaded with the everything mm. going on yeah and like became somebody that felt like he needed to control his own destiny and not have anybody else have a say in that oh so you feel like this you feel like his experience here is a counter reaction to having to become part of the military machine yeah sure that's interesting. Okay, so what type of soldier do we think that he was? I don't mean I don't mean what like what right? his temp, I don't mean what his temperament was. Where like what kind of a soldier do we think he was? Just a grunt like going out there on the front line? I think so. I think we've kind of somewhat outlined his his age with the years and so I think he was pretty young. And being his thoughts about his grandpa, it's possible that he thought he was the nice young boy going to war, doing the thing, and uh, and then kind of turned around to probably going back to where his grandpa was in his life as well. Do we think Brad Wesley is smart? I'm trying to build a, an employment dossier for him to figure out where his military career might have ended. Is maybe he a he's, smart guy? Maybe he's not smart. Maybe he's realistic. <laughs> okay. So, so Marcy, what do you think? Smart or not smart? I don't I'll know. T- I'll tell you why after you tell me what you think. I, I don't think he's particularly smart. Okay, so not particularly smart. Because I think Brad Wesley strikes me as the kind of person who, once he got into the military, to figure out a way to sort of maneuver himself to get into a position that guaranteed that he would not actually face one-on-one combat. Mm. Entirely he strikes, like He strikes me as someone who would be like, you know what? <clears throat> Artillery all the way. He's a slithery guy, huh? He seems like someone who would much rather stand back several thousand yards from his uh, from his enemy and just like lob mortar fire at them. Mm, yeah. But you got to you got to be at least a little smart to do that. He's definitely got some smarts, but being that he's in what do you say, Jasper? He's in Jasper, Missouri, which is a very small town about two hours south of Kansas City. See, I. But that's not where he came from. Remember, he comes up from the right. main streets of Chicago. So I think he has a level of smarts or he definitely has a level of interest, like business interest. And, you know, I, I assume with the tropes of, of the small town that he's probably, he's got to have some level of smarts, but also because he's doing it in the small town, he's taking advantage of these people that don't really have the same interest as him, you know? So he's not really like the smartest guy that can go into New York city and take over there. You know, oh, yeah, no. he's got to come to the small place where nobody else really cares as much as he does. Any city with more than 2,500 people would be way beyond Brad Wesley's ability to comprehend <laughs> or control. But I, so here's a possibility. What if, what if the army, and I'm just going to say it's the army. What if the army was where Brad Wesley learned how to become a criminal? What if that's where he started running game? Doesn't he seem like the kind of person who would be like smuggling in contraband, like, selling stuff to people that you can't normally get at the commissary um you know like um 
running all that stuff that Richard Gere was running in Officer and a Gentleman, Marcy. Marcy, do you remember that where he was like, he was buying like shiny belt shoe buckles polish. and shiny shoes? Yeah. Not just shoe polish. He was yeah. buying yeah. properly shined uniform pieces. So he didn't have to do that. Doesn't that seem like something Brad Wesley would have done? And maybe that's how he got started. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. I tell you, I'll move away from this because I can see, I see like, I see like an eye and a half for you right now. Mm-hmm. You good? Okay. You should monitor me. I'm going to fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. Don't I'm fall asleep. Not Marcy. To. All right. Okay. We'll tell you what then. Can we go to what I'm going to call nonsensical line of dialogue number five, at least so far from Brad Wesley? <laughs> here it is because I wrote it down. I'm sure you all noticed this too. It says here, he says here, quote, but Christ, you get paid for beating people up. Tell me you don't love it. Of course you do. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the line. Jonathan, did you notice that line? Oh, yeah. I definitely noticed that line. That, that's what culminated everything that I've seen so far. What are we talking about here? I don't understand this. Well, it's definitely his worldview there. Uh, you know, maybe again, we're back to his war experience. But, but yeah, so, apparently he thinks that that's just the way humans are. You get paid for beating people up. Tell me you don't love it. Of course you do. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. So Brad Wesley is suggesting that somehow deep inside every single one of us is just an innate desire to inflict wanton destruction on other people. Hmm. And get paid for it. And yeah, so then he's saying, and on top of that, you get paid for it. I don't feel that way. I just want it to be noted. (laughs) I don't feel that way either. (laughs) I have been in, I have been in zero real fights. Have you, Jonathan? Uh, No. No, you haven't been in any real fights or no, you've not been in zero fights. (laughs) Yeah, I've not been in zero. No, I've been in zero fights as well. Me too. Nobody's ever punched you in the face? No. No, No. I haven't either. Tried to turn you into a messy bleeder? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, so like... I, I, and uh, when I was younger, I, I would run, you know, so I, I always had that in my back pocket. If anything got serious, I would, I, I could run faster than they could. And that yeah, was it. Good. That's a really good strategy. Uh, so I wrote down a couple of questions here. Is Brad Wesley trying to equate himself with Dalton? Like somehow to say that they are at least sort of on the same level in some way. Oh yeah. This is kind of like the, uh, the Indiana Jones, uh, you know, he's got his, uh, I'm blanking oh, on his name now. Belloc. The guy is like, yeah, yeah, that's Belloc. Belloc. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. So there's that scene in like the in the bazaar mm-hmm. where Belloc says something mm-hmm. like, you know, you're you're I am but a shadowy reflection of you. It would just take a push to push someone like you out of the light. So is that what we think? That 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 Wesley thinks that with just a little nudge, Dalton could become him. Or just get him on his side. You know, he might be kind of snowing him a little bit. Well, so, you know, so spoiler alert, Jonathan, this, you're not going to get to see this because unless you decide you want to come back next week. Um, or the, just watch the movie. Or just watch the movie. I promise you it's not going to disappoint you. Maybe this part. This part is a little slow. <laughs> um, but in the very next minute, so on Monday's episode, we are going to find out that Wesley attempts to recruit Dalton. Well, that's no surprise. With with the added piece of leverage that we were slow walking ourselves up to in a minute, as as a, as an attempt to kind of strong arm him into doing it. Do you think Wesley is trying to belittle Dalton by referencing his job? Yeah, I think he's trying to belittle him throughout this whole conversation. Because he says he says you get paid for beating people up, like that's all you that's all mm-hmm. you're good for. You get yeah. paid for fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he's also trying to bring something to the forefront for, you know, kind of kind of trying to redefine him in this moment to get mm-hmm. him on his side. But also, I guess they did just talk about how Wesley got all his money. And so now he's turning it and saying, well, this is how you get your money just by beating people up. So yeah, I'm taking advantage of people. You're taking advantage of people. And then we're going to get to the big reveal. So in the meantime, Dalton has stopped his kind of stalking Wesley around the room and sat himself down on a fairly comfortable looking, but I agree with you, Marcy, rather unattractive looking couch. And then we get, of course, the big, uh, this is this is Wesley playing his big trump card. And he says um, that he knows that, uh, that Dalton killed a man uh, and in Memphis. And it wasn't and self-defense. Tells So the quote is, tells me you said it was self-defense at the trial, but we both know that isn't so. So Jonathan, I just wanted to know, what did you think when you got to this point in your three minutes? What? So again, in, in sort of your, your evolving understanding of the character of Dalton, what did you think when you learned this little nugget? This was... That's when I started thinking that maybe that whole ripping your throat out was was like a real thing in this movie now. I don't know that I would have thought that he was a a guy that but I, I assume that it's something that was either unintentional or he's changed and this guy's, you know, Wesley's just trying to bring him back into it or something. Um but yeah, it was definitely not a a turn that I expected from the movie. So so your votes are for either accidental or he's reformed his wayward ways. Yeah. Those are really I, solid guesses, given that you've only seen 180 <laughs> seconds of this movie. Yeah. Um, it turns out, so we're going to find out more once Wade Garrett arrives into town. Marcy, do you remember what happened? Let's give Jonathan the, the Cliff Notes version of what happened in Memphis. Do you remember? Uh, I don't really remember. Sorry. Okay, so here's the, the Cliff Notes. Spoilers for Roadhouse, but if you're listening to a podcast one minute at a time, I hope you've seen the movie by now. Um, apparently, this was this was over a woman. Dalton got himself entangled with a married woman in Memphis, uh. and the husband tracked him down with a gun, and it was, well, it was self-defense, um, which which makes this whole exchange with Wesley, unless Dalton is, unless Wade Garrett, who's Dalton's like mentor and best friend, unless Wade Garrett is an unreliable narrator, Brad Wesley's line here about saying, we both know this isn't so, isn't so. Like, he's wrong. It was self-defense. This guy, this jealous husband was pointing a gun in his face. So, but I think the Wesley would be more concerned about whether convincing Dalton that he enjoyed it, even if it was justified. Mm, yeah. Okay. So my question about this whole exchange is, how did Brass Wesley find out this information? Well, doesn't he say his nephew is down in Memphis? Oh, so we, do we think he just heard this secondhand? Like this well, is just sort of the news around town? He probably talked to his his nephew or his brother at some point and, you know, bemoaned the fact that the double deuce is getting their act together and that he's heard, have you heard about this dude Dalton who seems to be getting around a lot? That's a weird accidental connection to me. <laughs> That he's got a nephew in Memphis? That he has a nephew who still lives in the one place where Dalton was acquitted of murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to move this story forward somehow. 
okay, that is fair. There's yeah. a, perhaps a little deus ex machina there. Um, do we think it's possible that this is the work of perhaps some private some private investigation? Probably. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, not that families can't live in different places, but if he was from Chicago and he, he has a cousin that lives in Memphis, not, it, it certainly can happen, but... I mean, Wesley seems like someone who enjoys paying other people to do things for him. So I could definitely imagine him finding out that his nephew knows Dalton from a previous life and then just like either paying him or paying him to pay someone down in Memphis to like dig up as much dirt as he can on Dalton. And I'm partially basing that on the previous minute where Wesley says, we both came up the hard way. Like, mm. how do you, how can you say that unless you know a little bit more about Dalton's past than even we know, which is nothing. And then of course, so, you know, after, after this comment happens, um, it, it looks very much like, you know, how does Dalton react? Like the first thing it looks like he's about to do. So we get, we get great Dalton face. Marcy, did you scrub ahead to like 53 seconds where as soon yeah. as he hears this news, like his face is like. His, his eyebrows and his eyelids are all down. Yeah. His hair is also darker in this moment than it is in a lot of the other <laughs> really? moments in the movie. Yeah, it's physically brown. Oh, it is pretty dark. Oh, you're right. He's just, and his, you know, his mouth is slightly open, like, oh, God, somebody has found out my secret. Do you think it's possible that in this minute where we see Dalton very clearly crestfalling, that he's just going through, like, his PTSD moment, where he's just remembering everything that happened in Memphis? I don't know that that is it, but I think he he holds on to a lot of feelings about what happened with that last person that he killed. I mean, he probably hasn't had to think about it that much before this moment. He ran away. His... Like, don't you think he ran away from that place that he was? To New York? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all part of why he keeps on the move. Well, I mean, run away. He He went to trial. It's not like he skipped town. Yeah, because they say it was self-defense at the trial. Like, not that, not that it matters, but was he in New York before Memphis, or vice versa? No. So New York, or what we what what the movie claims is New York, is the place where Dalton is recruited out of to come down to Jasper and clean okay. up this bar called the Double Deuce. He's at a place in New York called Jack Wade's Bandstand. Not the Jack Wade from the James Bond franchise, although it might be. You never know. But so the other thing that happens, so so Dalton immediately turns into like thousand yard stare, and then he leans forward as though he's attempting to, you know, to lunge at Wesley. That's what I that's what I saw when I watched the tail end of this minute. Um, you all on the same page with me about that? Yeah, I guess so. It just kind of proves Wesley's theory then. What did you think, Marcy? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Marcy, what else Not do you me. have in this? What else do you have in this minute? There's so many questions about Dalton that we don't have answers to. And here's just another one where, you know, now he's had a trial and he has been convicted or acquitted of murder. So I have something from the script. So many um, layers, right? So, Jonathan, just like you all sort of like to compare the Princess Bride to the book, right, the mm -hmm. William Goldman book, um, I have a copy of the uh, another literary classic, the shooting script for the movie Roadhouse. Um, here is what it says in the script for this particular moment. It's a little bit different, and I'm just curious to get your all reaction for it. So Wesley's line says, 
He smiles, and then he says, I got a cousin down in Memphis, Dalton. Says you just about tore that poor boy to ribbons. Said it was self-defense at the trial, but you and me, we know better, don't we? It was love, wasn't it? Ew. Pause. And then he says, you in love now, boy? Ugh. So... What do we think about that? I think that's atrocious. I mean, the the first comment could be relating to that he he was involved with the married woman, and you know it was a oh it was a crime of passion, I guess. But then, are you in love now? That's a weird twist to the uh, yeah conversation. Marcy, when you like... when you say it's atrocious, are you saying that this writing is atrocious, or that uh, Brad <laughs> Wesley's comment is atrocious? Oh, both. I think I, <laughs> I think the um. Like the idea that it was love in Memphis that drove him to this place. It seems accurate. Um, I don't like that he is talking about tearing the guy to ribbons because, you know, I feel like this was a throat, a throat pulling out situation down in Memphis. <laughs> that's just his move. That's his only move. That's how move. you have to finish a fight. I think that's how he kills people. That would be a grisly way to self-defend yeah well Well, you know what so i think you might be right marcy because if 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 we think ahead to the apocalyptic fight with jimmy um, which is sort of the climactic fight in this well it's not climactic because he's got to fight wesley afterwards it's certainly the most intense fight in the movie jonathan this is the scene that ends with the throat ripping that we see in this movie um the throat ripping happens right after jimmy pulls a gun uh-huh. which is sort of it's sort gets of triggered so yeah so so that marcy you've put two and two together i think you're absolutely right so when dalton has a gun pulled on him there's only one way to go which is right for the trachea man i can't even imagine like i i don't really want to practice to know about what it feels <laughs> like but just the the grip strength that that must take to break into somebody else's throat and rip out their their whole throat is so gross i do have one question about this comment and just like everything else marcy have we found anything in the shooting trip that we feel like didn't deserve to end up on the cutting room floor i can't remember not a single thing yet no. i don't feel like you've told me anything where i thought wow that's better well you <laughs> know what that's that's why editors make their money this is that's absolutely not better that's why they're in the guild but so i will say this it's fair to say the fact that Brad Wesley mentions the fact that it's love. Could we say that Dalton has a type and that maybe his type is women that are involved with other men, or at least he has a tendency to attract to him women that are involved with other men. Cause first there's this woman in Memphis. Yeah. Now there's Denise, I guess doc doesn't really fall into that category, but she certainly has some sort of quasi ties to, to Wesley. Like, do you think, and here's why I'm asking he doesn't really have anything with Denise. He pushes her off pretty strongly. Right, but he certainly attracts her. Like, whatever pheromones oh, he's putting out yeah. draws her to him. So, you remember, so one of, so, Jonathan, one of our, I would say, Marcy, would it be fair to say that our favorite James Bond movie together is Casino Royale? hmm Okay. Yeah. So, there's a scene in Casino Royale where the the love interest, so, spoiler alert for Casino Royale, um, the love interest, Vesper Lynn, says to bond you're i'm not gonna you're not gonna be a problem are you bond and james bond says no you're not my type um and she says smart and he says no single 
um, because, you know, he has a tendency to get himself involved with women um, that are involved with other men. Do we think that it's convenient, would it be convenient for Dalton to get himself involved with attached women so that when he blows town in three weeks, he doesn't have to worry about them attaching themselves to him? It it kind of, uh, that whole thought about his life also parallels Wesley's, uh, you know, his his uh, fate or his destiny to bring everything that's his to him. And I guess maybe Dalton's version of that is women. Maybe. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mars? Yeah, I, I think so too. I think, um, you know, he's got to, Dalton's always got to have his guard up. Everybody's after him. Everybody wants a piece of Dalton. <laughs> Including you, maybe. No, just a little bit, but he's unfortunately <laughs> dead. Oh. That yeah. hasn't stopped you from fawning over Patrick Swayze in no, every other minute sure. where it's possible. Yeah. All right. Well, I better we better start to put a button on this minute because I can already see we're running out of time. Um, I will say I, I'm just going to add. Can I just add one more piece of trivia, Marcy, that I know you will appreciate? Mm-hmm. So Jonathan, Marcy, and I have this other side project. It used to be our main project, but now it's a side project called I Think I Saw That, and where we like to talk about movies. And one of the things we like to do is to talk about food that you could pair with the movie that you're watching, which we call the pit and a drink, which we call the cruise. Marcy, why do we call it the pit? Well, because Brad Pitt eats everything in all the movies that he's in. (laughs) That's right. With a huge mouth. Ah. And, And here we are in an eating scene. So I just want to pass along this nugget of trivia. So Rowdy Harrington in the director's commentary just notes that, you know, because Ben Gazzara made this choice that he was going to be eating his Denver omelet or whatever this is, he says that by the end of this day's filming, that Ben Gazzara must have eaten like a dozen omelets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, just, you don't have to eat it or you don't have to swallow or, you know, any of that. Well, unless Gross. you're, you know, unless you're a serious method actor like Ben Gazzara. I guess, I guess he is talking most of the time. So that'd be hard to squirrel away some food while trying to talk. I don't yeah. Know. That's all I've got. Uh, Anybody- but it's interesting that you say that about that because for UHS 62nd, one of the, we have a bunch of bonus episodes and, uh, and one of the silly things that we do is we have episodes called uh, the movie made me chew it or <laughs> a, a uh, alternative title is movies. I masticate to oh, um, that's fun. And uh, masticate. I understand. Uh, I got uh, it. Okay. This is a family podcast yep. um, where we talk about movies that have a food element to them that make us want to eat that food. I only, mas- say- I only masticate by myself. <laughs> Go ahead. Roger, bad. <laughs> so give, yeah, us, can, I, give us an example. Uh, let's see. So uh, I, we haven't recorded it yet, but um, in the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a weird, there's a moment where they're eating pork rinds and they comment on it. And at, when I was a, uh, a youth watching that movie, I'd never had pork rinds or anything. So that was always like a curiosity. And I have since had pork rinds, but uh so that's probably an episode that we'll record at some point. Are they fantastic? Uh, they have different flavors, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like a a crispy, airy bacon. Is it? Depending. I, is, does it have any, like, the texture of cheese balls? Yeah, you know? kind of. Yep. Okay, because it looks kind of similar, but it has, it has a bacon-y overtone to it. Yeah. See, my initial reaction to that is one of horror. To be fair, that was my reaction to beef jerky for the first like 30 years of my life. <laughs> you and like now, beef jerky. Now, now I love beef jerky. 
Yeah. Oh, also one that's weird is, I mean, kind of weird is uh, Return uh, Return of the Jedi when Princess Leia shares some food with Wicket. Uh, when I was a kid, I always, because I didn't have anything else to, I didn't know what Star Wars food was. Um, I always thought it was saltines. And so whenever I watched that movie, <laughs> I would have to go grab some saltines and eat them while I watched the movie. So oh, we did record an episode on that. I like to imagine a, a reality. So my headcanon now is uh, Carrie Fisher giving Warwick Davis some saltines, like with peanut butter on them. Oh, and I then, was going to ask if they like, were peanut butter and jelly saltines. <laughs> Maybe that's why every word that comes out of his mouth sounds like nub nub. My mouth is peanut butter. I can't talk anymore. He was probably. Maybe the Ewoks are delightfully uh, uh, clear and brilliant, like English thespians, but their mouths are just filled with peanut butter and they can't talk anymore. Mm. Sounds about right. Very good. So, so, are, so, just so I understand it. So, are these episodes where you just focus on movies that have scenes where people are eating, or are they things that you would like to eat while you watch these movies? Yeah. Well, if you if you look at our podcast feed, it's probably pretty apparent why we ran out of steam and uh you know it takes a lot of time because we kept doing all these like side episodes which are all just dropped in the main feed we haven't done any patreon stuff so it's all right there um so we're just having fun with it and doing all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. so yeah sure. but, but the, the the point is when we watch a movie not just a movie that has food but when you watch that movie you like you want to eat that food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one that we haven't recorded yet is uh, Elf when he's eating that big like spaghetti pop tart oh, mess. Man. Oh no! Isn't that like spaghetti with maple syrup on it? Yep. It's so gross. That's nauseating. Yeah, but I, I still kind of want to try it. At least Marcy, <laughs> Mar- Marcy, what would be the movie eating scene that you would most wish that you could be a part of? Oh well, I mean, I'm I just to think I have that Brad Pitt in in. Um... What's that heist movie? Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, he's just eating a hamburger. Like, there's... so that's you. You just want to grab a hamburger with one hand and be like, "Om nom 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 nom." I want to grab a hamburger and fit uh, like half of it in my mouth and not choke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't take wow. big bites. Like, there's something about my my mechanics that, like, even a piece of sushi, I have to eat it in half bite. But like, this man has just such a huge mouth and ability to like eat half a hamburger Marcy like you don't that. have to apologize for that it's well I find delightful it delightful to have you with this delicate baby bird mouth uh-huh. <laughs> gosh I'm trying to think of what what scene it would be for me um I mean, there's only one scene that comes to mind but it definitely wouldn't be the scene for me it's the it is the is it clam or muscle eating scene from pretty woman where Julia Roberts oh, tried go Oh, it's yeah. snails. It's snails. Snails, yes. which I don't want to eat either. But like, I, I love that scene where she attempts to she attempts to crack open a snail with her little yeah. snail opener, but accidentally ends up like squirting it across the room. And Hector Elizondo like does this, yeah, just grabs it out of midair. Do you know what he says <laughs> to her? Uh, slippery little things. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. Have we done? We haven't done that movie for our podcast, have we, Brian? No, I didn't think you loved that. <laughs> The movie Pretty Woman? Yeah. I love that. Oh, you know why we haven't done that movie? Because I've seen it so many you, times. You remember too much of it. That That is like <laughs> um, 
It's like your movie for me. I've I've seen that movie so many times. Like your movie? What like, movie? Um, you mean all I, the movies? I'm, no, I'm just tired. I can't remember the name of <laughs> Princess Bride right now. Oh, oh Jonathan's movie. Yeah, Jonathan's movie. Yeah, so Jonathan, the conceit of our other podcast is that I can pretty much remember most of everything about the movies we've seen. And like Marcy went to see They're the like... Marcy went to see the Eternals yesterday, and I'd be hard pressed to probably ask her what she can remember about it today. That's true. Sure. It all it all trickles out very quickly. So so we enjoy like we 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 talk about the movie for like forty five minutes and try to see what Marcy remembers about it, and nice. then we watch it, and then we talk about it afterwards for like forty five minutes and more of sort of just a straight review. I yeah, I, I try to remember things, but uh, I will say the X Men Dark. Uh, Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. We, my wife and I saw that in the theater, and then like within that same month, something reminded me of it, and I turned to my wife and I said, "How come we never saw that?" And then she's <laughs> like, "We did," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I've had that conversation many times with Marcy. <laughs> Jonathan, have you seen the movie Unstoppable yet? <laughs> That's the Denzel Washington, Chris Pine on a runaway train movie. Oh, no, I haven't. You should watch that with it's your wife. Good. It was so much fun. It's, it's delightful. It, and it's, I love a movie, I was telling Roger, I love a movie where you can just talk through the whole thing and be like, <laughs> "That's outrageous what they're doing right now." Are you kidding? What? I just loved it. I highly recommend it. It's That's a, what happened with Roadhouse too. I had never seen it before and roger showing me this movie and i was like turn after turn i'm like what is going on i don't understand what world i'm in you you did so oh and i laughed so hard putting unstoppable on the same level as roadhouse is a little bit of blasphemy marcy and we're gonna have to have a conversation after this podcast and there might be a little bit of punishment oh oh um, snap but but to be fair it is a good movie to sort of heckle while you watch oh so great that's fun. So, yeah. All right. Well, normally on our Friday shows, Jonathan, we would ask our guests if there are any other parts of the movie they didn't get a chance to talk about. But since these <laughs> are the only three minutes of the movie that you know about, um, let me just ask you on a scale from never to right after this podcast, what do you think is the likelihood that you might eventually watch Roadhouse from beginning to end? Well, I don't think it would be. I don't think it's on my wife's radar at all. Um, so it would probably be something that I would just put on for myself. Um, but if, let's say if Amazon Prime had it and I didn't have to pay for it, I would mm. most definitely watch it. But I don't well, know if this is that kind of movie that ever really shows up on that. I will tell you, well, you can easily find it online. I'm not sure if you can find it online for free. And <laughs> Marcy is, I, I think Marcy can testify that there is plenty of, uh, plenty of attractive men in this movie. Um, if you're, if your wife, unless your wife is repulsed by Patrick Swayze, I know there's some people that probably think that he's kind of not attractive. Um, She's more of a Chris Farley guy. Okay, well, we don't get to see <laughs> Chris we don't Farley. Get, we don't get to see All that. Right. We don't get to see that much of Tinker, but <laughs> you'll get to see him. This is on Amazon Prime Premium subscription. It's on Hulu premium subscription. It's on right, YouTube you... for four bucks. All yeah. right. I All promise. Right. I promise you if you're, I'm not trying to convince you to watch it. That was an honest question. And you gave us a very honest well, answer. And okay. I really appreciate that. But if you do watch it, can you let Roger know? 
Oh, yeah, then, absolutely. And, and give him a little like uh, recap. Uh, we'll do like a little recap about how you felt about it. If I'm really enjoying it, I might even send him like a few messages while I'm watching it. <gasps> Live tweets. <laughs> I, I did that with uh, Ferris Bueller because I'd never seen that before. And so those, uh, Gary Roby was hosting that one. So I sent him a bunch of messages. Those Bye. messages will happen because you will get to see somebody do a full somersault by using a pool cue as their method of doing that. Nice. Um, and like I said before, you get to see someone drive a Bigfoot monster truck through an auto. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So does anyone right. decorate a bar stool? <laughs> Does anyone decorate it? I, I still I'm not quite sure where that line comes from. Oh, that's, from the that's that's from the MST3K song. Decorate a bar stool? Yeah, I mean it, they're it's Christmas time stuff, so I just oh that I see something decorate that actually a bar happens. Stool. You do get to see someone skimming from the till. Uh I'm trying to remember the other that's so um, different than decoupage and bedazzling, Roger, though. Like what the, skimming skimming from the till? Yeah, it's not on par with the craftiness of decorating a bar stool. <laughs> Well, skimming from the toe is stealing, Marcy. So no, it's not. <laughs> I know what it is. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. It's been a delight to have you um, for a week of Roadhouse Minute. Um, and before you go, um, unfortunately, probably for the last time, can you remind our listeners where they can see and hear you on the interwebs? Yes. Uh, the, actually, the website, I think, for Princess Bride Minute, uh, it's actually been up for a few years, so it's possible that it might change at some point. But theprincessbrideminute.com. Um, for UHF, that's uh, uhf62nd.com. Um, and that's all of there. And if anyone wants to hear me going on and on about ridiculous research things, like this this minute, I thought, broke me of my Orlando, Florida thing. Uh, when he mentions about be- Memphis being down there, and then I realize that there is a Memphis, Florida that is southwest of Orlando. So I know I'm not saying that the movie is wrong or that I'm right, but <laughs> I came up with a theory in the first minute, and I couldn't break myself of it by the last minute. I'd like to picture um, an entire Roadhouse movie that is entirely set within Florida. So like you say, if if all of the places are imagined to be places in Florida, that what a movie that would be. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, And you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye. Bye.